0: And welcome to Into You, the podcast where I take a deep dive into getting to know the best you. My name is Adam Strawn, and today I have the pleasure of chatting to a very talented and very handsome musician. He is the guitarist and backing vocalist of the heavy genre fluid band, Lord of the Lost from Germany, which we'll get into that a little bit later on. But it is my absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Mr. Pie Stoffers. How are you doing, buddy?
1: Thanks for having me. I'm doing very good. <laughs> Thank you. How's your week been? Honestly, very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> Friday, okay. this Friday, even though when we chatted earlier I told you it is very full.
2: Mm. It's,
1: to me it's the most relaxing day this week.
2: Oh, um, really? Yeah. <laughs> and but, it's really um, full.
1: And it's really full. Yeah, but but the stuff that that is going on the other days is is just very hectic and um, it's a lot of studio work or a lot of studio work happened. Um, Mm. Yeah. And Mm. I was kind of tied to that. Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. All right, cool. Next to normal life.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So you got it all going on, eh? All right. So you were recently in the UK, obviously as part of the London and Leeds HRH Goth 2021 festival. So how was that?
1: Dude. Um. (laughs) to start um we haven't played a real life show in <laughs> i used an app counter whatever thing for that um yeah. in 575 days
2: what
1: um, yeah and I, I i still can't really describe it but i didn't believe that we are we would play these shows mm. until i actually put um Our makeup on for the listeners who don't know we're a band that um, is kind of heavy on makeup on stage not like kiss makeup Um, (laughs) but um, google it you can see it for yourself Um, but when I I realized that we were going to play when I put on makeup and I actually put my in-ears in and changeover started because those were two festivals as you Mm -hmm. said and um, festivals are always very hectic Mm -hmm. You don't get a sound check Even though you're co-headlining You only get a line check So that means you basically plug all the signals Or your crew plugs all the signals And you check them for 10 minutes Right And that's it And that's kind of a rough start After one and a half years of not playing any live show Um, So yeah, I was very, very nervous (laughs) I had and I am not kidding I had nightmares of these two shows. Really? Um, yeah. And I never I never had so vivid nightmares tied to a real experience. Um that's going to happen. But I dreamt of us failing miserably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, oh sorry. Um failing to even play the same song. Right. The five of us. Which is I don't know why but I was mm. I was just nervous. Um and also I dreamt of not making it to the UK but we did. Yes. Um and that's a whole different story because of logistics and everything and um uh UK not being in the European Union anymore. Mm-hmm. Um but as we were talking of the shows the shows were n- not even close to perfect for us in performance wise. But um, perfect for that moment. Yeah. We talked about it um, after the show in Leeds, after the second show. Um, Actually, we talked about the first time how this made us feel and how we felt one and a half years before these live shows, um, almost being anxious, not being able to return to this. Um, so it was very, very emotional. Mm. And uh I what <laughs> we also did, we didn't really think about it. We played the majority of the settlers were new songs of that album that you have behind there, Judas,
2: yeah, which came one. out
1: in Ju- July this year. And we've we've never played them live, but I think three quarters of the settlers were new songs. <laughs> we didn't even think about it. it. was like, Yeah, of course we're gonna play them, but then I thought, is the crowd going to know them? Mm. Can they, do they even? I don't know. You, you never know. But yeah, you, you basically lost all touch with um, how crowd reacts to you and mm. how it performances. I almost forgot that. If I wouldn't have our TV of the Lost tour diary on YouTube. <laughs> um, yeah, but long story short, awesome shows. It was all worth it. Yeah, so it's just going for one weekend, doing all the logistics, taking that financial risk and everything. Um, yeah, because financial risk, um, it's easier to go to Mexico than to go to the UK at the moment.
0: Seriously?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: oh my God. That's so
1: fucked up. But um, yeah, we, we made it happen and I'm glad we did, which yeah. gave us the reassurance that we can do it
0: absolutely yeah and you know what like unfortunately i couldn't be there but i have actually looked at a lot of footage from people i have friends who were there actually and uh you know they were really really complimentary of you guys because i don't think they were familiar with your work until they listened when they were there and they were like oh my god this band i was like i know um but yeah so obviously you guys killed and i think it's just you know it's It's nerves because you want to do well, right? You know, you've come back after not playing for like, as you said, like for 500 days, which is crazy. But obviously you came back and killed it. And I have to say, I noticed that you did a cover of um, Ordinary World, Duran Duran. And that is one of my all time favorite songs. So when I got told that you did that, I was like, hold on. Got back home on YouTube, listened, you guys killed it. and that little guitar solo that you perform "Hello Pie." <laughs> absolutely <laughs> awesome. You. No, what Thank a great you. cover, though, it's brilliant. I love that.
1: Yeah, thanks. It was I don't know. We, I, think, I think the story behind that is, uh, first of all, we like to do a cover here and, here and there mm-hmm. of songs that there aren't really any sort of a genre or genre. It's mm-hmm. something very different. We did covers of Amy McDonald. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Life we did Bad Romans at one point. Uh, Backstreet Boys, everybody—it's um, a great <laughs> metal song. You can yeah. it as a great metal song, and um, <laughs> a lot of other covers, and also Duran Duran, which was Chris, our singer, um, got back to that song when he was, I think, watching Grey's Anatomy. Okay, so <laughs> and it's playing in the background. He was like, oh, "That's that's a great song." Mm. I wonder. Yeah, that's a great song to cover, actually. Yeah, and we talked about it, and we played it for the first time during our Sinister Summer stream, which turned out to be our release stream for Judas. Mm. And yeah, it just made sense to us to play that as a closing song during yeah. Those festivals. And, you
0: know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Been in the UK as well, you know, like representing Duran Duran. I love it. Um, although I do <laughs> that's need. That's what to we eat-
1: were checking. That's what we were checking. Duran <laughs> Duran from the K. Yes, they are. Okay, we are definitely going to play that.
0: It all fits. It's fine. <laughs> um, although I do need to hear you guys covering Lady Gaga. That would be like my absolute dream. So <laughs> and I'm here for that. Uh, I see that you guys are coming back as well to uh, the UK. So you're coming back to London in December. Am I correct?
1: Yes, that's correct. That is kind of an, kind of an extra date because, and that goes back to the nightmares not only I had, but also Chris. <laughs> um, our last show um was in london in Mm. february 2020 right 14th of february and we had that had to cut the set short because chris was severely ill um we all were on that tour at some point kind of kind of i don't know but maybe an early stage of corona i don't know because we all had lung issues we all had fever Mm. um One of the guys even had pneumonia, so yeah, and Chris wasn't really able to stand on stage after three songs, so we cut that short and little did we know that this would be our last show. Mm -hmm. Um, So for him as well, this was very traumatic Yeah. step on stage again in London for the first time after the last show had failed so miserably. that date in December is basically our, our show to make up for that. Um, <laughs> that's why we did a headline show there. Okay, And I'm looking forward to it because now yeah. we know how it works to get into U- the, the UK. Mm. <laughs> uh, <it's laughs> I can't believe it. Now.
0: I mean how difficult that is. But so the, the annoying thing is, because uh, when I was obviously researching, when you guys are going back to the UK, I looked and I was like, oh my God, they're coming to London. I think it's the 4th of December. And I'm in London on the 4th of December. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So are you coming? Are you coming? I would love to, Pi, but tickets are sold out. So uh, I was devastated when I saw that But It's one of them we things. Make,
1: we can make something happen, I, I guess. So. <laughs> we'll talk afterwards. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh, but I would I would love to. The fact that I'm there as well, it makes sense, right? But, yeah, um, sure. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk after pie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so my week, so on Monday, I went to the start of Bring Me The Horizons UK tour. So I went to see them live. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so that was my first gig, actually, since everything. So it felt really weird going back and being part of you know like that audience and then just seeing live music again. It was absolutely incredible. Bring Me The Horizons has been one of my favourite bands for years. I remember 2013 when Semper Paternal had come out uh, which we might chat about a bit later on but uh, I saw them at Download Festival and that was the festival when Linkin Park were there and they were doing the whole um, Hybrid Ooh. Theory album live and that uh. blew me away and just before Linkin Park uh obviously bring me came out and we're doing tracks from St. Maternal. and i was like i liked the album but when i heard them perform it live i fell in love and then from since from that point i've just adored them so yeah so obviously when they were doing um you know this tour i had to go and see them and wow wow
1: i've seen footage of these shows and i can't imagine how how weird it must have felt being in that i mean it's not an audience of like a thousand people it's an audience of i don't know what 7,000 people or so or more I don't know so it's a huge audience um, and I've seen footage of the whole production and I was like yo I mean, I mean Bring Me to the Horizon is a band to me that does everything right always mm-hmm. except for the fact at a festival where they put signs up of themselves and uh, said like yeah these guys can pass through everywhere <laughs> no security will stop them. Don't do that. And I was like, oh, that's a bit arrogant, but mm, okay. Um, I was blown away that production, those video walls. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, and fun fun fact. I don't know if you know that band, Bleed from Within. It's a very mm-hmm. small. Yeah, okay. It's a very. Uh, it's a Scottish band, mm-hmm. and um, the guitarist of them did the visuals. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I I love it when when there is even connection between between bands. Mm-hmm. They do other stuff um, for each other, and uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 jealous of you going <laughs> to these shows because obviously Bring the Rising is one of my favorite bands as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I looked at crappy live footage on YouTube, <laughs> and it's still so- <sighs> <sighs> yeah. and My last Bring Me show was, I think. No, twenty nineteen. is it was before Ammo came out, and they they, which didn't make sense to me that they toured before the album came out and Mm -hmm. just played songs or so off the album. (laughs) Didn't make sense to me, but eh, sometimes sometimes it doesn't work out like that. But still, that production I didn't get it at first because they had like a cage thing, yeah, going on (laughs) that came up and down, Mm -hmm. and I think it, and it it just started at the fifth song or so so mm. the first few songs were like what is that cage doing <laughs> uh, it was a weird show at some for some reason um but yeah that production that they have now
0: mm. yeah it was um it was phenomenal. So, yeah, like I didn't know about The Cage at all. So um, first of all, they came out and they opened with Teardrops, obviously from this album, and uh, yeah. which is one of my favourite tracks. So as soon as I heard that start, you know, just Ollie said Teardrops, the crowd went nuts. Um, but then <laughs> it was like maybe like the third song. We saw The Cage kind of coming down. And we were like, what? Like, and I was like, what the heck's going on? Like, they're just going to perform me on this cage. And then um, it's when, like, how creative they were with it. You know, the projections on there, and then even Parasite Eve, when they, which by the way is one of my favorite tracks by them, when they started playing that, and then it looked like like the cage was kind of like being torn open, and they had two dancers on stage that were dressed in,
2: mm.
0: you know, like suits that looked like they had like flamethrowers. It was just a trip, but it was incredible. Oh,
1: my God. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. They always do it right, like, Mm. to the full extent as well. And that is something, I mean, they are originally, they are somewhat of a metalcore band, right? Yeah, yeah. And to now see them doing these productions and also the weird, also, genre-fluid mix they have, mm-hmm. and they tie it beautifully to aesthetics and obviously video production, but also they incorporate dancers on stage. And mm. Justin Bieber does that, but <laughs> also bring me the horizon. And um, that is something that I think is very, very positive for, for heavy music, That <laughs> that it always goes that that it kind of goes back to a crossover stage that we had in like the 90s or something. yeah <laughs> <laughs> or early 2000s and this is something that is I think that is it would be very beneficial for the the whole metal community to mm-hmm. to see that this is happening and to see that this is actually a good thing because it means evolution um,
0: absolutely yeah and i could agree
1: bring you the horizon and also architects to some extent are the forefathers of that like <laughs> in two years from now every metal core band again will try to sound like architects and bring me the horizon it always goes in that circle to me at least it's my opinion yeah but yeah what i wanted to say is that the metal community even though it says it's very open to everything. There are always those fundamentalists who say, no, that's not true metal. Mm -hmm. Um, Bring me the rise in our band that has only little teen girls in that crowd. Maybe that's the case, but I know that you and I are also among those teen girls. We absolutely (laughs) are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely (laughs) fine with it because the experience, your whole experience is so great and you have to give them credit for that Mm -hmm. and also for, the marvellous production, the songwriting, full package, if you will.
0: It absolutely is. They're totally my jam, 100%. And um, yeah, you know, a lot of what you said there rings really true. And again, there's a lot of when we could talk about your band, Lord of the Lost, we will dive into that heavily because the genre fluid thing, I think, is so interesting. As you say, there is a lot of metal communities where it's like, you know, you don't appreciate metal music unless you listen to death metal, unless you listen to black metal, unless you listen to the heaviest genres. And it's like, okay, well... If we break that down, like, there's no kind of checklist. You know, there's no kind of, you you must listen to these bands in order to say that you are into metal. Like, fuck that. Like, I I don't agree with that. You just enjoy what you enjoy. And if it blends different genres of music, even better, it allows you to appreciate more genres under the umbrella of one band. And what's bad about that? I think that's incredible.
1: Yeah. And that that also brings metal or heavy music as a as a big term more in the forefront of, of music in general mm-hmm. over the last years everybody kind of said yeah, rock is dead, metal is dead there aren't rock stars anymore and to some extent there aren't those big rock stars like Aerosmith in the 80s anymore with, mm-hmm. but that also ties into the fact how the music industry works now But apart from that, I think metal and rock is pretty much alive and being able to cross over to other genres and everything. Mm. It just mixes up the crowd more. It's not like those denim jacket (sighs) patch where, and it's okay that they are there. And I I love that they are there. I'm not shitting on them, but um, it's not only them and it, doesn't that have to be and that is actually something that i i realized in the uk especially that even at gothic festivals like the hra goth thing where we played recently the crowd obviously it's very goth heavy like harness black makeup everything but also there were the regular dudes just checking out music there were i don't know it was. It was just makes normal uh, normal teens there. I, uh, then again, what is a normal teen these days? But I guess you get the idea. It's very yeah. very mixed up, and everything's a very very welcoming climate. Mm. And I love that. And I think when we mix up music genres, that is what is going to happen more. I hope so, at least.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean. I, I agree I mean predominantly most of the bands that I'm into some of my favourite bands mix like me, like metal bands anyway I guess or rock bands mix genres really well so um, like I like a lot of like symphonic sounding you know metal like bands like Epica like Nightwish but I've got other bands as well that kind of so one of my favourite bands of all time is a band called Catatonia um, obviously from Sweden and yeah, yeah. yeah so obviously you listen to them who start off really doom metal you know like one of the godfathers of that genre and then you listen to them now and it's just really kind of more, I guess, depressive rock and the evolution of their sound. I mean, now they've got a lot more of the synth sound and like Jonas's vocal for me is one of the best and like his Mm -hmm. voice has changed so much over time. And again, you know, it's just that evolution of the sound for me is so fascinating when they start to bring in other elements. Like I said, like a synth sound, like, you know, choirs, which obviously you use incredibly well, but I love that. I love to hear that. And I think it's such an evolution of sound that needs to happen because for all that, you you do get some bands who kind of have their genre, they stick to their sound and that's fine. If that works for them, they've got a fan base for that. That's their deal. But for me, I think when bands, you know, When they evolve and when they start to mix different things into that and it works and still is you know their sound and their identity and their evolution i'm all for it
1: yeah same i mean and also as a musician as you said there are also bands that like to stick to one genre and like to do one thing and that is fine and they want to stay true to their sound but also being true to your sound can be always changing Mm. your sound
2: Mm.
1: it could be also your thing and to us it's very much a thing and it's very very satisfying to to be able to try to mix up things genres Mm -hmm. instrumentation everything and then make it work yeah and if you if you come to that point where you realize that uh, it actually works Mm -hmm. at least to us and that's what matters most Yeah. um, yeah Yeah, that is very, very satisfying. So, um, <laughs> I guess that's also why we try to change it up every now and then, because for once, it, it doesn't make sense to us to do the same thing over and over again. It gets mm-hmm. boring very, very quickly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And also, we are very curious what things we can mix up on the next album and then yeah. make it work
0: yeah i love that and that that's part of the whole process isn't it those musicians when you get a creative you just explore that territory and you think right okay let's try this or let's try a little bit of that and see if that can fit in there and obviously you know the end product is, you know, the process of doing that. Obviously, I mean, it always takes you back to um, the band uh, Demu Borgia. So I remember, like, you listen to their more recent work, which is very symphonic, you know, compared to like their first kind of few albums, completely different genres. And I remember, like, first hearing like Gateways and just being blown away. I was like, oh my god, this is Demu Borgia now. Um, but again, phenomenal. So I love when bands do that and kind of just almost kick ass, you know, they kind of say, right, we've tried another genre, but they, yeah, they're still amazing in it, and they still kind of put their stamp on doing things like that. It's just, it's incredible.
1: Sure, sure. I, I mean, isn't Demu Borgir accused of like ruining black metal f- to some extent, like mm-hmm. selling out black metal? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I love to, I, I listened to a podcast recently where, um, it's called the Downbeat Podcast, mm. and uh, the drummer of Wolves of the Th- Wolves in the Throne Room, which is also a very atmospheric black metal band, um, said that he loved the evolution of Dimmu Borgir, uh, and I was so happy hearing that coming from also a black metal band yeah. saying that the evolution of Dimmu Borgia and thus being evolution in music or in any genre being awesome. It kind of restored faith in, yeah, the music world. Where like, okay, not everyone is like so traditional and mm, has yeah. to stick to some sort of genre and mm. categorically exclude everything else. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know what? I absolutely agree, five. But um, I want to ask about you. So let me tell you how I found out about you first. This is quite interesting. So
1: Yeah, how?
0: (laughs) (laughs) How did I find you? So I actually found you before the band. And the way I did that was, okay, so I'm going to say the name of uh, a piece of music, which you'll probably know, which is Helvegen. So I, okay, I'm a big fan of the artist Aurora from Norway. A huge fan. Yeah. Um, I saw that she performed uh with Vaudruna and she performed um the song Hell Again, like Live. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, like let's have a listen to see if anyone's done a metal cover of this song. And then I saw Scar Productions Vikings pop up featuring Stoffers. And I was like, mm, okay. So then I listened and then like watched and I thought holy shit, who is this guy? And then that's kind of started me on my journey of when I like found out, you know, you're in Lord of the Lost. I was like, okay, let me check them out. And I was like, right, this is instantly my jam. That is how I found you. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it is because that was such a random thing. I've never done a guest spot on anything in SCAR who, who we toured with, with yeah. Equilibrium at the start of uh, 2020. He has this YouTube channel where he does metal covers and everything mm. and gear reviews. And he's from Norway, mm-hmm. um, so uh, and Wadruna are as well, aren't they? Mm, yeah, right, Norwegian right? bands. Yeah. So, so it was it was his first time actually singing in Norwegian as well. So he made that cover, and he 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 gave me he sent me his message and was like, "Do you want a guest spot as a solo on that? I'm sure you can make it happen." I was like. <laughs> Don't know the song, but sure. let's give it a go. <laughs> and, and send, send me the file. Send me, send me your version, and I'll, I'll, I'll figure something out. Mm. Um, yeah. Happy for, for you to have checked it out, and um, even more happy that you've got to our band as well, and that you enjoy it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I just remember watching, thinking like, "Wow, this is such an interesting take on the song." And then, obviously, you know, checked you out, checked the band out. Here we are, right? Um, yeah. So yes, loved it, man. But um, let me let me go back in time. So let's go back to Baby Pie. Sure. So um, <laughs> yeah. let me ask you, Pie. So where did so? Obviously, you know, you play guitar. We can see that. Where did it all begin for you? So in terms of like, you know, how old were you when you kind of picked up your first guitar and you decided this is what I want to do?
1: Mm. Those are two different events. It was okay. not like I picked up a guitar and I immediately knew that's what I want to do in life. It um, okay. wasn't, wasn't easy like that for me. Um, but, but I started at the very beginning. I joined uh, a youth group who did that? Did some charity work in in their community in my hometown. It's a small town called Glücksburg, um, at the Danish border. Yeah, we did some some charity work for like the community and sang in the church and everything without me being religious or anything. But it was just like a group of people in puberty <laughs> um, <laughs> singing together in a choir. Um, writing out plays and everything. So doing theater, nice. um, a very, in a very amateur way, but doing theater. Yeah. Yeah. And we also had a band and I wasn't in that band. It was just kind of cool to me, like be, seeing people doing music, being able to do that and tie that to a choir that sings to that music. I love that. And, I joined that group and played in the, in, the, in the in theater there, and this group kind of drew me to music, like doing it every Friday, like meeting up, rehearsing here and there like a show <laughs> <laughs> and um i was i i think i was I was twelve or thirteen back then at some point um I don't know why. But I guess I was friends with the band leader. Mm-hmm. I just for some reason wanted to try out how to play guitar. Next to that, parallel to that, another thing happened because I was I was very much into into kind of heavy music because of my sister, one of my mm-hmm. sisters. She was listening to a lot of new metal, a lot of pop punk. So Sum forty one, Blink 182, Limp Bizkit, and so on, Lincoln Park, obviously. All the good stuff, <laughs> all the good stuff, and I was just drawn to guitar music. I loved it. I think that what that was what initially drew me to the guitar, and it's then I, I had a very romantic moment. It's a very romanticized moment. I mean, I I looked at a YouTube video. That's how you could you could put it. Normally, I looked at a YouTube video. That YouTube video happened to be the music video for um, November Rain. Oh, nice. Mm. And I just loved slash standing in the desert playing a solo. So with that happening, I took guitar lessons from the band leader from that youth group. And Mm -hmm. um, I borrowed a guitar from a friend (laughs) at school. Um, because he wasn't playing it. It was a, a shitty nylon string acoustic guitar. <laughs> and I, I, I turned on YouTube and tried to learn songs on my own before I had the first lesson with my band leader friend. Nice. <laughs> and um, yeah, started from there. And he, he he taught me a few things. The first song I learned entirely was um knocking on heaven's door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, after after he kind of he quit the youth group and I I also changed lessons then from him to the next band leader mm-hmm. and also changing from acoustic guitar to electric guitar because when I was 16 I got my first electric guitar for my birthday. Um, and yeah, I think I took lessons for two years or so. And eventually I accidentally became the band leader of that youth group. So All right, <laughs> I, I got introduced to, to actually leading a band, a very amateur band, but still um, setting up rehearsals Um, deciding on what we're going to play, figuring out how to play it, and to arrange it, basically, Mm -hmm. for the band. And did that, and I liked it. But still, I haven't thought about the fact that it actually would become reality, that I could do that as a job. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, it was a hobby. It felt good, Mm -hmm. but it was very out of this world for me that that could actually happen. I never really thought about that. I also played in a pop-punk band called Blackout in my, in my hometown. Mm-hmm. We did one EP, had a few shows, um, but that was it. And um, I never took the direction really to, to pursue music as I want to do that as a job. Mm. I, what I did was I, I started recording school in Hamburg. I went I, in 2013. Um, I moved to Hamburg. Um, to, to study audio engineering Mm -hmm. because I was interested in how to learn how to record my guitar. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was, it's, it's such a stupid start. I mean, it's such a stupid reason to go for, well, I shouldn't say stupid. It's very naive, Mm -hmm. Uh, but also I was very young. I mean, in 2013, I was 20 not really that is very young you haven't figured out anything with (laughs) at least i think that yeah Um, so i did that and from there (laughs) everything kind of happened i i went to university for audio engineering i tried to somehow get my foot in the door with the music scene in hamburg didn't really work i had a friend who i did covers with and everything we wanted to play live But unfortunately, the drive of us was different. That kind of disappointed me because I really wanted to make it happen. But for him, it was more like easy. Hmm. And yeah, whatever. It was whatever for him. And I don't mean that in a bad way. No, no. His his take on it and my take was different. I wanted to do it. Like, I want to play shows. Yeah. Didn't happen. And that almost made me go... Okay. Then I guess I'll just play music in my bedroom as a guitar bedroom guitar player and that's it and pursue audio engineering. But obviously um you you meet some people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um in Hamburg and one of my lecturers actually was Chris, the singer of my band. Oh wow. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was my lecturer. And um, that's how I met him. And that's also how some of the other guys in the band and crew met him. Right. Um, so, yeah, at one point in 2015 or so, he asked me or banked our FOH guy, asked me if I want to go on tour as a guitar tech um, with them. And I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> it was not paid, it was <laughs> a few <laughs> weeks of touring on and off and it was the best yeah it really was the best and i i already thought like i can't ask for more it's awesome i loved it um, mm-hmm. even though i i haven't been paid i just like i like them i i like being on the road i like the work but at some point um our recent our ex-guitar player quit the band so what now they said or they thought and they were like do you want to try out on a, on a tour and see how it works um because obviously we know each other and we're we're friends and everything but on stage and entering a band it's kind of a different dynamic mm-hmm. as well so let's try that and i tried in in at the end of 2016 and yeah now <laughs> fast forward <laughs> from there we're here now um, and uh, that the rest is kind of history. But obviously, it took some time for me as well to get to get accustomed to being in a band and how everything works. Um, it's always hard to be the new guy at first, <laughs> um, especially be- since the band all, already has been around for several years. Mm. Um, and apart from that, I was very young. So yeah, everyone was like oh it's a bad baby and <laughs> are, people still are like that and i'm i'm okay with that but at the same time i think are you really calling a 20 year old male a baby i don't <laughs> i mean obviously the other guys are older but mm. <laughs> it's, it's weird to me and um but hey yeah i had to i had to get used to everything and when you get into an already working team which has all the processes down and is amidst an album production, mm. um, it takes some time to get fully into the band. Mm. Now that's a different case.: Yeah, Now since our last lineup change with Nick, our drummer, which happened in 2017, we're as complete as we can be. <laughs>
2: <Mm-mm>. <laughs>
1: uh, and feel like that not only on a business level but also on a personal level, mm-hmm. um, because we're all very, very good friends. Yeah, we consider ourselves family. Now we have it down, and now it's 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 a team of five equals, and also a company of five equals we formed as a company in 2020. So. <laughs> um, yeah, that is. Long story short, that is how I got the guitar in my hands. Um, yeah, but it all worked out, I guess. I never thought I'd do that, um, mm. but sometimes things just work out. Yeah, and absolutely. You're totally fine with that. Yeah, I'm sure. No, you I mean... had those moments as well where you <laughs> thought, like, huh, I never wanted that, but I wouldn't say no ever.
0: Mm. It, you know what? It's one of the things where it's a really organic process that for you. So, you know, you started off where you were in the kind of performance sphere, so to speak, you know, like doing like little amateur dramatics and things like that. And it just happened to naturally progress. And it's nice to hear that it's one of those things where, you know, Chris was just what a lecturer and then suddenly he's like, Hey, do you want to just come and just do this thing? You're like, yeah like those opportunities when do they ever come along and it's nice that you grasp at that because all that experience has brought you to where you are now right so you know you, you could have easily just got ah oh, you know no actually it's fine like I don't think I'm good enough or whatever and then you might not have ever even been here so I'm always uh, such a big believer of, of when opportunities like that come along just go for it because what's the worst that could happen you'd be back to where you are right now so and again you know that's led to you being a part of the incredible band you know and you've got as you said you're like a family now and you're all close friends and I just love to hear the Evolution of that story to go from something that you were like okay this is just something that I'm going to do as a, as a child to now being you know one of the core members of a band I mean that's incredible man
1: yeah yeah I mean I guess I have to thank my one of my best friends for forcing me to go to that youth group <laughs> <laughs> like man you have to meet them I, I mean you're new you're new in this hometown where I moved in 2006 in Glücksburg and mm-hmm. you have to meet them. This is what I do every Friday. And me being, or having been a very, very shy and insecure person, mm. being exposed to 80 other young people who are like at the, at the zenith of their puberty, being yeah. loud and everything and annoying. And there was some cold water, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was great. And yeah, I guess I have to thank him for that
0: yeah definitely i come from um i come from a p- performing background as well so like very much in theater drama like kind of acting work that's my background so yeah. i get it when you say about being there like in a big group and you know it can be a headache sometimes with everyone running around with all that energy i completely get it i've, I've been there man but uh it's great you know what i mean it's it's a certain it's its own little kind of microclimate, as it were you know like the the performing kind of world so to speak when it's so different from like more of like an academic world when you can come in, it's just a different way of expressing. Do you know what I mean? Like a different way of harnessing skills and just learning how to develop in certain ways as well, I guess. So I completely get it. I've had those headaches. I'm a hundred percent with you.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a very different field. And Mm. uh, also that is probably why it's such an abstract field to some people. Mm. It's like people can't, sometimes I think people can't really wrap their head around how, i'm going to say show business because it also includes obviously theater and acting yeah. and everything um how that works and how it is actually yeah a real job yeah <laughs> because it's so so abstract to 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 a lot of people and i i get that but and probably that is why during the the pandemic it got so neglected as well mm. because there isn't really a lobby or anything for it Mm -hmm. There's there's nothing that says like, no institution that says like, yo, we're here and Mm -hmm. we are equal to any other, uh, I don't know, economy part like cars, like transportation or whatever, (laughs) Um, which is kind of hard. We all know why. Um, Different field for a lot of people and they can't really grasp how that works. And you, you notice you notice that when I don't know your grandma or anything asks, so what do you do for a living in a I play in a band? Yeah, but what do you work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, grandma.
0: I get that. It's hard sometimes for people to understand. I think that's a generational thing as well. You know, some people come from a generation where that's never even been a possibility. So to entertain the idea of that being a full time job blows some people's minds sometimes. But we're here now. It's a different generation. And as I say, you're part of the band, Lord of the Lost. So let me ask you about them. Now, the band in the past, and I guess even today, have been, you know, they've been labeled as goth they've been labeled as you know heavy metal they've been what you guys describe yourselves as is genre fluid which i find really really fascinating so it kind of dips into a little bit of what we we're saying earlier about you know exploring different genres of the music book just talk to me about that concept pie like when you came together and kind of discussed that as a band
1: it came up when we were writing and producing judas because yeah. We were struggling, for the most part, for the last years, how to define ourselves because we were always getting asked, "So, what are you?" And we weren't able to say that really. We always said, "Like, yeah, dark heavy music, mm-hmm. metal." Or the best, best thing is on airports when, like, the airport personnel asks, <laughs> so "Are you in a band?" Yeah. Um, what do you do? Yeah, it's some sort of metal. <laughs> That's what that was our answer for the most part. Mm. And still is because it makes things easier on airports because you have no time. Um <laughs> but when we were writing and producing Judas, it was like this record is not metal at all, in some points, and yet it is. But there are so many things that come into this record. There's a song like My Constellation, which is a ballad and has nothing to do with instrumentation-wise heavy music. I mm-hmm. mean heavy music can be also emotionally heavy, um, to me. Then there are songs like For They Know Not What They Do have like a double bass, almost blast beat part in the C mm-hmm. uh in the C section. That's <laughs> in the middle eight. <laughs> um um so what, what are we? And we, we kind of got it from uh, being gender fluid, mm-hmm. which is something to us. We were like, obviously, we don't really define ourselves as one thing and we don't have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, why does that matter? Why do you have to be one thing? Yeah. There's no, it's not necessary. Um, so we just kind of made a play of words out of it. And we're like, we're genre fluid. That is also a label for for some to some extent because we say we're that thing, but we're keeping we're keeping a lot of doors and also our minds open to mm. everything. Mm. And um and I I I understand why that would be hard for some people to understand because we all know that people like to put others in boxes. Um and if they can't do that they feel disoriented and are like what do i do i have to put you in a box because i have mm. to label you you to to yeah to give you a name to know what you are because otherwise i would would feel insecure it's basically uh, you feel it's basically you feeling insecure about not being able to label someone something mm. and that does not have to be
2: with mm-hmm. humans
1: um with music yeah so I get it, but mm-hmm. I'd love to to promote the idea of that not being that important anymore. Yeah. With music, yeah. with people, with everything. I um,
0: completely agree with that statement. I think... You know, it's interesting where you say like people have to define it and therefore Mm. the next step of that is so that they can understand it. And the point is, sometimes it's not about that. It's just, do you enjoy it? Yes or no? Yes. That's the the end of the conversation. As long as you enjoy it, then kind of fuck the definition. Like it's not always about that. And I think that really comes across, you know, in, you know, your music as well. As you say, you blend, you blend so much into it. Like the first half, I guess, because this is an album of two parts. So I guess the first part is a lot more where you hear that kind of metal influence, right? So you do have Mm -hmm. a little bit of blast beats and the kind of heavier riffs, I guess. But then you still have those beautiful vocals of like a choir coming in. I mean, the way that, you know, even like just Priest opens, that beautiful drum beat, and then you have that vocal that comes in and then you kind of have the main kind of, you know, metal bite, I guess, of the song. And it's really, really, just from that intro alone, you kind of think, right, okay, we are going on a journey here. I don't know which way we're going, But that's quite, that's part of the excitement because I don't know what I'm going to get next. And then when you go to the other side of the album, as you say, it's a lot more kind of, I'd say, reflective and kind of introspective. It's kind of almost like thinking about what you've heard and kind of more like considering it's a lot, I guess, it's not as heavy um but that doesn't take away from anything in fact it's complementary of this other half of kind of the same album really And I think it's genius if I'm honest it's just really it's really nice to take a concept like that for me the album I guess you know you guys have famously said you know it's not it's not a religious album it's not an anti-religious album it's more focused on the character of Judas right so and then but in that Judas himself if you break that down you know you're looking at things like decisions you're looking at betrayal you're looking at motive you know you're looking at the effects of that and the effects of what that has on you as an individual but also the effects of the relationship that you have with people i think that really does come across in the music
1: thank you thank you that is a very very extensive analyzation of what judas is and also it's very very correct and that's the first time i heard someone yeah no it's it's not like it has to be but yeah. it's a I'm, I've heard someone getting that to the full extent, that, which makes me very happy. But that that is what Judas is about. That is why I'm happy that we had so much time for this album. Mm. Because we were we were able to to really really focus on what we want to express with that. Mm-hmm. And obviously, some people get it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and as you said, the, 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 the second part of the album is it's not as heavy. And but that does not take away from the, the the excitement or the experience. I could I could call it it's more of a breather, if yeah. you will. Know. Mm, <laughs> it's more yeah. of a breather because <laughs> it's very you you get hit with so much on the album in total, but mm. the especially the second part, the salvation part, um is a bit more of a breather and the instrumentals on there are a bit more Whew. Yeah. Let's let's reflect on what we just heard. Let's reflect mm-hmm. on what we just said, and let's come to closure um, at the end in work of salvation, mm. which is kind of a roundup to the start of the album, and kind of expresses equilibrium, if you will. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was um, what we intended to do, and I'm happy that you got that away from that. And
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm pleased I read that right, but uh, it's just for me, it's there. And I think it's such an interesting concept because you do get <clears throat> so many albums that focus on, you know, the concept of, you know, I don't know, let's say religion. But yeah, when you break that down, like what you guys have done, you've just chosen, you know, a character from the biblical character of Judas, so to speak. But rather than just focus on, you know, Judas, I guess like the Lady Gaga song can do with parts, <laughs> but um, which by the way, is a banger. But um, yeah, you kind of, you've stripped that down. You've looked at, the concept of that character. And I think that really does come across really well in the album.
1: Thank you. I mean, and there, there are some people who, who were saying like, that's not new. Um, To, 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 yeah, say something about Judas. And I agree. That is (laughs) completely not new because (laughs) obviously it's already written in the Bible, which is a fucking old book. (laughs) (laughs) So no, it's not new. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Um, but I think that is a very, sh- uh, very shallow way of a, uh, um, handling that album mm-hmm. um, because there is something more to be said about that. And at least we haven't found something that does that yet. Yeah. If we were just ignorant of stuff and haven't seen that yet, please <laughs> show it to me. But um, <laughs> that's our take on it. And yes, you know, as you said, more than just portraying judas as he is portrayed in the bible or as we would think of him yeah i guess
0: well it's kind of it's key in what you've said there pie it's your take on it so therefore yes you know judas the character has been around for thousands of years as part of the bible we get that but your yeah. take on that that's what makes it more unique you know like anybody can and you know Books like that are open for interpretation, right? So you yeah. can read something, you can read something and I can read something and we can read into it completely differently. That's where the uniqueness is. And that's like kind of the beauty of the conversation that happens after you've listened to an album, right? So say you and I could listen to, I don't know, a Bring Me the Horizon album. You will you will love certain parts of it. You will, might dislike certain parts of it. You will read into songs in certain ways. I'll do something completely different, probably. But the beauty is in that conversation afterwards, you know, where we come together and we're talking about it and talking about our interpretation of it. And that's the whole point of art. doesn't matter which way, shape or form it comes in. It's that... For me, it's, that's the most interesting part. The kind of how you sum it up in your mind at the end and then those yeah. conversations you have with your friends, you know, even probably your bandmates as well. Like talking about, God, this is what I took from that. But that's the beauty and that's the interesting part, right? Is when you have those conversations and you think, God, that's a really interesting take on that album.
1: Yeah, sure. For me also, that is the best part. Talking about what what we just did, what we just heard, um, how that makes us feel and what what we got from it. I did that with my bandmates as you said i did that mm-hmm. with other friends i've read comment sections <laughs> which, are, <laughs> which are a weird place we all know that but yeah. also, apart from positive and negative comments in comment sections there are also interpretations yeah and that's what i look for because that opens up even more things to me that we haven't even thought of on that album but mm-hmm. Makes sense as well, and I like that when when ideas get get extended and or Mm. have a different take on it, and that's what I'm looking forward to when 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 music is out, how people receive it. Obviously, there are people who just want to enjoy the music and they like they like loud guitars and drums and everything, (laughs) just fine as well. Yeah, or they hate it, which is fine as well. At least it made you feel something. Um, (laughs) But also. And that's the best part there are people who really take it in and i I agree on the fact that it's a lot to take in that album. I mean it's twenty four songs yeah um and it's a big topic um but when the time comes that you can have a discussion about it and everything, that's exciting and yeah. I still love to have like um a real event which is kind of like what we did for thornstar where we had a release party and also a pre-listening party and everything oh nice in the studio with a few people it was like 80 people or 100 people the whole day we had like different groups and everything Mm. i loved still love to do that with judas as well because now people really have heard it and um had it's been in for a few times and can say something about it. I'd love to hear that and have like a discussion panel <laughs> about it because yeah. it's it's exciting to me. Yeah, I, I hope we can make that happen at some point.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Um, it 's interesting you say that uh, there 's so two of my favorite bands so obviously i 've mentioned Catatonia is one and uh, Opeth is the other one so mm. and they obviously you know Mikael ackerfeld and Jonas Resk, the two lead singers of each band, they are yeah. good friends you know they're both you know both Swedish, and they 're both like good friends and have been for a long time and they do that so every time one of the you know bands has recorded a new album, they have a listening party where it 's just say like Catatonia's got their new album and then they'll invite like OPEF over and they'll listen and then they'll listen to it again and then they'll kind of give their feedback and vice versa. I just find that so fascinating. Like those listening parties, I think are great because as you say, it's straight yeah. away initial feedback. You're kind of getting, what are you into? What do you like straight away before the album's even out? And I think that's, that's fascinating for me. I love that stuff.
1: Yeah. And the initial feedback from, in general, just from the way people listen to it and they sit there with their eyes closed or not, Um, you see it in their, in their gestures, in their faces, what, Mm. what, what it does to them. And I love that. Which Mm. is very, very exciting part. We had that to a very small extent with Judas as well, because two, no, four fans of ours won a pre-listening date with us, but that was the, the biggest thing that we could do because of the pandemic. yeah, invite four people to the studio being tested and everything. Yeah, um, and there were three of us and them, and they listened to the whole album, Wow and <laughs> <laughs> And like what is it two hours or yeah. two and a half hours with breaks? and c- looking at them and seeing their reaction, their initial reaction, and they're like, yeah, that was very, very cool
0: that's amazing the fact that it's yeah. like fans as well you know because that's a different interpretation altogether where you might have sure. musicians who will appreciate certain things like that they hear in the music but then there's fans as well who are just there just to enjoy the whole concept i think that's fascinating i love that mm-hmm. uh if you run that competition again i will be entering <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe um, with the next album
0: yeah definitely hundred mm-hmm. percent but i want to ask you about that um obviously pie so you know like this this album for me, it's very much like a concept album. You know, you've, you've gone in there, you've written music, which you've all had like an idea about the concept of what you want to explore with the album. And there's so many bands that do that. And some of my favourite albums are concept albums. You know, the band Epica does that all the time. Um, Aerion does that all the time, you know, where they, they take a concept and then they write their music and construct it where they're exploring something. But that's what I want yeah, yeah. to ask you about. So when you are kind of, you know, together as a band and you yourself as well, when it comes to, writing lyrics or you know putting a song together about a concept i i mentioned jonas rensk yeah jonas rensk again obviously from catatonia because he did a really interesting interview where he talked about lyrics and how he kind of composes songs Mm. and he said you know like there are certain lyrics that you read and it's all there on the page. It's about a certain experience and that's the way it is. And that is it. And you get that a lot in, I guess, pop music, like love songs, for example. This is the experience that I had and that's it. That's the way it'll always be. Whereas he said he's more drawn to lyrics where they're a little more Like this ambiguity, they're a little bit more abstract. So therefore, when you read it, you can interpret it differently. He said he's always he's always drawn to lyrics like that because of the different meanings, because different people can kind of get different things from that. And I always find that really fascinating. And when you read the lyrics to Catatonia songs, it's there. You know you can read different things into each song and i guess that's similar with your music as well so i just want to ask you about that in terms of you know when it comes to writing music when it comes to writing lyrics what's your process behind that
1: when it comes to writing lyrics i mean obviously as you said judas is a concept album and mm. um hence the name um, yeah <laughs> and obviously we had different topics that we wanted to cover that we thought about during our research on that topic, like as Mm -hmm. you said, it's not only about the person itself, but it's also about our relationship with ourselves, with other people, um, interactions that we have with other people, betrayal. um, Every song, the music is written first for the most part. Um, So you have like kind of, Kind of a world that makes you feel something, so the music makes you feel something, and it kind of you can kind of see what you what you want to say in that song because it just sounds like it, right it involves um, it in you, yeah, yeah, true mm-hmm. that's that's the word um, <laughs> and what we what we did beforehand when we just wrote stuff down, which weren't lyrics, but I don't know paragraphs about stuff or just even words from words to paragraphs can be anything yeah um, that are saying something so for example born with a broken heart mm. was just was just like this kind of half sentence that we had which would sounded cool to us and it meant something to us but we we didn't know what to, to make of it. But then we we extended that idea of being born with a broken heart, not in a romantic sense, mm. but um, in a being left out sense um, and being doomed to yeah being considered the bad person, which can refer to Judas, obviously, but it can also refer to anyone else. Um, that's where I basically started off going about it okay born with a broken heart what can that also mean it's hard to, it's hard to explain it's very <laughs> hard to explain a creative process but yeah what can that also mean but and how do you make it work in a sense of portraying that feeling that you have with born with a broken heart being doomed to be the bad person mm. even though for example as I said in the song, heaven is a place where you belong. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not getting there, honey. <laughs> 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 because you, you, you are doomed to, to fail. You are born with a broken heart. I guess with, with Judas, we, we had a lot of things written down beforehand that we wanted to express. Mm. And what we, what we thought could go into the topic of Judas, the whole concept, mm. um, and also just just made up things like interactions between two best friends, um, for example, which could be which could be Jesus and Judas, mm-hmm. um, but also not necessarily. No. Um, but if you look at the the song Euphoria,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's set up as an interaction between two people. Mm-hmm. Um, between Judas and Jesus could be, that's where we started to just have like names to the characters, but it's really about one person asking the other person to do something for him, Mm -hmm. which makes the other person feel very, very, very bad. Yeah. Um, So it's a very, very egoistic thing to ask that of that person. Mm -hmm. So basically he, you have to kill me, but they're best friends, right? Why, why would I, Want, I don't want to kill you. Um, and basically, questioning in that song, um, is there a way out of this? You're saying that I have to do that, Mm -hmm. but hear me out. Um, hear me out. Maybe there is a way we can, we can flee from all this. We can, we can go to another world. We can, yeah, well, that world being euphoria. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, (laughs) this song is just basically about trying to avoid the necessary evil that one friend asks out of you. Yeah. Um, And which is a very, very complicated um, emotional world. Uh, And and Benji, uh, our guitar tech and I really, we were sitting there and we're we're trying to imagine how that would feel. Yeah. Yeah. And that euphoria, the lyrics to euphoria are the outcome. That is our interpretation of how that would be.
2: Mm.
1: I don't know if that really answers your question of how we go about it, but it's really um, about getting into the topic and thinking about how would you feel and uh, how oneself would feel in that situation, what what oneself would do.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, like that nails it, to be fair, Pi. I mean, one of the things that you're really leaning on there by what you're saying is storytelling, right? So, you know, you've got these two friends. You know, that's a really... We know the parable, you know, of like Jesus and Judas and that there's a betrayal. You have to kill me. You know, everybody knows that. What's interesting is that you're kind of diving deeper into that. And you're like, right, okay, that is the story. We know how to do storytelling. But let's have a look at the subtext. So these two friends, this is how they feel. And then you're exploring kind of the emotions that surround that and the kind of trials and tribulations that they have to go through in that moment. That's when the interesting stuff starts for me, because that's like straight away, that's imprinting on the audience. And the audience is almost imprinting back on you as if to say, I understand that. I can read that. I get that. Yes, I can relate to that. And that's the beauty of some of the best written songs. You know, like, as I said earlier, like when you can get a song that's written, it's written in a particular way, which tells a story and that's kind of the end of it. And that's fine. That's okay, yeah, sure, but when you look more like deeply into a song, and you kind of, yes, you've got the surface level of that story, but then it goes deeper, and then you become you know in that place where you can relate to it, and you kind of think, yes, how would it feel to be in that situation? I think about my best friend, what would that be like if I was in that situation? Yeah. how would we handle that situation? How have they described how they felt in that situation? Would I feel like that? And again, it comes back to that kind of feedback loop afterwards, you know that kind of oh this is what I got from that. That's really interesting. What did they get and I think yeah, the conversation yeah. after that is the most interesting part, and that's fascinating for me. It's the best way to write music
1: and that's basically what we wrote down, yeah, it's what mm. we, it's our our thoughts on on that topic and how our feelings basically so it's yeah it's not autobiographical, but it's mm-hmm. what we would feel if yes um and you you put it way better than I did because also you're better with English than I am <laughs> because I'm I'm German. But um, you're incredible. <laughs> thank you. Um, but that that is what for us lyric writing is about. Really getting into the situation, whatever that situation may be. I mean, on Viva Vendetta, we talk about yeah. not letting someone die because we want to we want to have eternal revenge on you and we want to let you bleed forever, Yeah, you won't die. I won't yeah. let you die, um, <laughs> which is a horrible thing, obviously. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we're trying to, to um, express our utmost, yeah, ex- <laughs> not experience. Uh, I don't have experience in that. Um, emotions <laughs> <laughs> with that. Um, and then again, there are songs like Gospel of Judas, mm. um, which we to some extent can only feel ourselves into Mm -hmm. because, because that song and it's, to me, it's the most lyrically and um, thematically it's the most um, important song to me Mm. on that album, because this song is about being left out of society actually. Um, Mm. So it's, it's like a hymn for Judas with the gospel of Judas, which him being betrayed as the traitor he is someone who who, who you point your finger at and say like you're a traitor go mm. go go into that corner and be there mm. and when we think about that society does that to a lot of people just because of the way they believe in something or what they believe in it was one thing but also and that was was a big topic for me and that's where we also go back to genre or gender fluid mm-hmm. um, is how people identify themselves as and who they love, and that is that is something I can't wrap my head around um, why people would be yeah discriminated. <laughs> and Gospel of Judas is basically a song of a song of empowerment for those people. Um to basically that and that is very simply put. Um, write your own story. Um as we say in the song, you fill you fill your canvas yourself, or you fill this canvas yourself, I think is the lyric. Mm-hmm. Um and then vice versa, the the crowd is is yelling, Judas, Judas. <laughs> but um as we continue um singing the lyrics or as Chris continues singing the lyrics, you're not sure anymore. If that Judas means something, something evil, it just says something different yeah. and uh, or that you're different. And I don't know how I put it originally when I described that song, but when you're different, that is something that you should embrace. And um, I mean, we as people, we only can gain from not setting limitations on ourselves. I think that and um, not only limitations, but also labels and how things can be in boxes and that out of the box, that's only, that's only imprisoning yourselves and others for that matter. And I wanted the gospel of Judas to be a song that depicts that basically that that is not a good thing and that we should all be empowered to be whatever we want to be. <laughs> and that is perfect.
0: Hi, that is that is so deep that is so incredible and just to quote you there you know we can only gain by not putting limitations on ourselves that for me is a statement for the album um and for life I think that's incredible that should be you should write that down <laughs> and you should tattoo that on yourself that's yeah. that's incredible <laughs> that's uh, that's so strong and I have to say you know as a member of the LGBTQ community you know it's it's really empowering to hear that you know and it is really reassuring and it's a narrative you know that unfortunately a lot of people of that community myself included have been through you know when you when you are kind of almost cast out as the judas character because of that difference and the reality is the beauty is in just you writing your own story as you say and i think that song hits so well for many different reasons for different people and obviously hit me really well for that reason as well but i think what's beauty in that is that you know, you've written that song that's incredible, but that kind of bleeds into the way that, you know, you kind of are accepting of your fans. I mean, you know, you've got your, you know, love of the lost range as well, which is absolutely incredible. And, you know, you kind of, you know, you, you embrace that, you know, you embrace that concept. It's not just about, you know, we've written a song about it as well. You're kind of really being inclusive with your fan base and everything like that. And I think that's incredible. I think a lot more bands could do that, to be honest, but again, you put, you know, you put, you know, You put yourselves out there and you prove that in the sense, I mean, you've got that range. You also did the, you know, the photo shoot for, was it the German magazine, Sonic Seducer, which was incredible. You know, it was kind of just you guys having fun and just saying, so what? Like, what the fuck? Let's just go for it and do it. I
1: love that photo shoot. So So
0: good. So good, man. It was class. I loved it. Um, But yeah, so anyone who wants to check those photos out, just Google it and have a look, man. You are in for a treat. thank you
1: thank you yeah i I mean as you said more bands should do that or could do that Mm. um to me it's just something of importance for one part because i don't want anyone to feel left out just because of the way they are yeah um because everybody's different and i'm fine with that yeah (laughs) i love it um and also people ask us why we are so inclusive of that and that we're we're kind of forcing this rainbow propaganda down their throats which is first of all horrible to say that and i i mean it's not like that we have been different at any point like or not including or try at least trying to include everyone except for people that Except for people that actively try to 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 fill everyone with hatred and i don't know like fascists or anyone um that's not the people i'd like to include in 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 my yeah. in my in my society but anyone else i can't i can't say anything else because why why wouldn't we exactly i mean, I, I to talk about to talk about myself here i i ask my and that is something that i have never shared with any one almost anyone um at some point in life i ask myself am i i don't know am i maybe not completely heterosexual i don't know um but I questioned that, and for a long time actually, and at some point, I was like, "Does it matter exactly <laughs> <laughs> does it really matter <laughs> i mean, and quite recently when 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 there was a pride month and um Christopher Street day here in hamburg mm-hmm. um i live in I live in the the l g b t q quarter if you will, it's called saint George, and there's rainbow flags everywhere all year round. Mm-hmm. And it's basically where the LGBTQ community of Hamburg lives for the most part. Yeah. Um, so for example, also my neighbors <laughs> um, and they invited uh, me and my girlfriend to a brunch, a pride brunch. Mm. And the, the topic was dress gay. <laughs> <laughs> gay as in, and, uh, happy and yeah, yeah. colorful and uh, which is the meaning of the word mm. um so i i was like fine i can put on my stage clothes <laughs> i was like having <laughs> having like sparkly sparkly leggings and yes. just a tank top and and gold uh, gold necklaces and everything mm. and a bit of makeup and i taught there i talked with someone about the fact that i i I don't know I, probably I could feel drawn to anyone who speaks to me on an emotional level not yeah. necessarily in a romantic sense or in a physical sense because that that's where I um that's where my heterosexuality is but in an emotional sense that's where gender comes goes out of the equation for me mm. that's what I realized for me
2: yeah so <laughs>
1: And realizing that, I just got a glimpse of what people who who realize I don't know for themselves that are not heterosexual that that they are whatever they that there is somewhere yeah. somewhere in the spectrum
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, um, when they realize that and they want to live it out mm-hmm. but can't just because some people say it's not right. I was like, what the. Yeah. Why? Yeah. That's not right. And that's where I started being like, that's not okay. Yeah. That's not okay. And there was, I don't know when there was. Yeah. Yeah, that's my, my my take on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, first of all, Pi, like, thanks for sharing that. You know, I mean, obviously yeah. it's something that you haven't sure. talked a lot about it with people, so I appreciate you sharing that with me today. Um, sure. But another thing, you know, it's really interesting what you said there is that a lot of people ask us, why are we so inclusive? And I think the best answer to that is because you're still asking me that question. You know, the <laughs> sense is, yeah. why do you need to ask that? You know, it should be more of a quick case of people don't need to ask that. It's just, okay, yeah, they're doing this thing. That's the end of the story. Like The fact that you have to raise it and ask it as a question means there's, there's still so much of a push for us to do it. Exactly. And people, people, unfortunately, don't understand that. But we're getting better. Do you know what I mean? As, as time goes on and as the years go yeah. on, we've, we've come so far. We've got so far still to go. But it's so encouraging, as I say, to see bands like yourself and obviously members like yourself who are not pushing it or just showing it and there's yeah. nothing wrong yeah. with that. that that's the best way to look at it so honestly it, i appreciate it
1: yeah true thank you um, visibility is key here yes. and there, there are some there are some some people who will say yeah but if it's not that important why do we have to talk about it and why do you bring it up all the time i mean i get your point to some extent because if you bring it up no one talks about it and it's it's just there but also we still have the majority of the world being not open to it. Um, so it's not like we can, <laughs> that we can just be, be silent about it. Yeah. Because then we wouldn't raise attention to those people who are against it. Exactly. Um, so no. I get your point, but you're already, you're also missing it. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> um, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. honestly, Hi like, yeah, that's incredible. And I think, you know, the conversation that we've had there is so important. And it's a conversation yes, okay. which I think a lot more people need to have. But um yeah, we'll get there. We will keep going there. But conversations yeah. like this make it really I reassuring. Agree. And obviously, I agree. hope that everyone that listens to this will take from that. All right, hi So this is the section that I call Geek Out with the Guest. So yeah. I asked you. Give me five of your favourite, not necessarily your top five favourite, but just five of your favourite albums of all time. I have to say, there are some in here that I absolutely gel with. They are my jam. So, um, okay, let me read out the list first, and then we'll just have a talk about some of them, okay? Sure, so, yeah. we have Daybreaker from Architects. We have Sempaternal from Bring Me The Horizon. One of my all-time favourites. We have Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses. We have Revolutions Live at Wembley, Biffy Clyro, which is a really interesting one. I need to ask you about that. And then this for me is Nostalgia. This is my youth. This is me as a teenager. This is all killer, no filler, Sum 41. All right. Yeah. So, I mean... Where do I start? Because there is some bangers in here. Uh, let me give you a little bit, little few anecdotes of some of them from me. Okay, yeah, sure, so please. so I went to see Architects uh, 2018 in London. So this was before Daybreaker uh, was released. And uh, no wait, no, it was after Daybreaker, uh, sorry. But um, yeah, and they, they killed. That was the first time I ever saw them and they were absolutely incredible. It was the Holy Hell album that they were touring and uh, they were phenomenal. Um, obviously, I've told you about Scent Eternal, one of my all-time favourites. Hantivist, uh, yeah. Shadow Moses are just songs that I adore. From Daybreaker, I think These Colours Don't Run is my favourite song. Um, yeah. yeah. And then Guns N' Roses is an interesting one. So my they remind me of my dad. My dad is a huge Guns N' Roses fan. So whenever I hear yeah. anything by them, that's what I think of straight away, my dad. Biffy Cairo. So... I watched another interview that you did on YouTube and the guy you were speaking to didn't really know who Biffy Cairo were. Um,
1: the a and P reacts. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, it.
0: Yeah. Biffy Cairo, my jam. So like that golden rule bubbles, like for me, Oh, like when I hear that golden rule, just it, do- it invokes something in me. I think it's such mm-hmm. a banger. That last minute of that golden rule, when it's just the guitar and the violin. Oh, love that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. And
0: then all killer, no fella. I mean, fat lip, in too deep like those are just me and my best friend whenever they come on there's like a rock and metal night here in newcastle that we go to sometimes on a saturday night and whenever those jams come on that is us we know every lyric (laughs) it's just yeah yeah but it's it's nostalgia it takes us back to our youth because that album came out when we were like really young and kind of we're just starting to get to know each other and we're like you know loving that album so yeah talk me through some of these albums so tell me why you love them so much
1: all right um we go from from the bottom to the top, uh, as you said, or from the last one. Um, all yeah. killer, no filler. As I, I already mentioned, my my sister was listening to a lot of pop yeah. punk, and thus uh, some forty one. And um, I don't know, this album, all killer, no filler, just evokes emotions in me again that I had when I was fourteen. Yeah, and um, was going on like vacation to learn a bit more french so it was like so um not really a vacation it was like uh, a language um journey to to france with a lot of other young people mm-hmm. um we were a german group we met up with a french group in france nice. and um it was like an exchange if you will mm-hmm. and one one of the guys in the french group um he was listening to a lot of some 41 um, and I remember going going to France in that coach, um, listening to all killer, no filler, the whole, the whole drive there. Yeah. So the whole, I don't know, 28 hours or so when mm-hmm. I didn't sleep. And it is just that feeling of being away from home for a longer time, for the first time um, on my own with mm-hmm. a group of people that I don't know. And it's the first time for me as a as as someone hitting puberty to to yeah, be independent in, in some way
2: mm. to,
1: to to figure out how to do this and to, to meet other people that I've never s- seen before that don't even speak my language that I don't really understand and they don't understand me it was a big learning experience and um, I loved that journey because it was the first time for me that I I found other people that like the same music as me mm. and it was just very welcoming. So this album holds a special place in my heart because it just evokes positive um, memories. Yeah. And and apart from that, the, the songs are just... I don't know. It's just, it's just a very good album. Right? Apart from that... <laughs> and obviously, yeah, Fat Lip and it's just great song banger wow. absolute Absolutely. banger <laughs> yeah and i mean every album of those is is tied to to or holds an emotional or it's it holds an emotional worth so um mm. what is the next revolutions at wembley right yes um biffy Clyro. so i i um <laughs> I haven't heard, I have heard Biffy Clairo when I was 16 or so for the first time, but I haven't really heard them. It was a cover of many of horror. Right. um, On some sort of casting show. Yes. And and I didn't care for the casting show, it was just that song. It was a YouTube video of the winner, obviously. It was Mm -hmm. just like in the recommendations area, and I clicked on it, and it was a great song. And for a few weeks, I believed that. That is his song. But when I found out that it's not his song, it's the band called Biffy Clyro. I was like, okay, um, then I'll check them out more. And that was already the point where Revolutions live at Wembley was already out. Mm. And the atmosphere that this album has, it's a live album and still the best live album I've ever heard. That just hit me very, very hard in, in a good way. Um, emotionally and yeah Many of Our is just one of those songs that will always give me comfort Mm. and especially on that album every song is great but the live version of that song where I mean the Wembley it's not the stadium um, it's the SSE Hydro Wembley Mm -hmm. thing where I think 12,000 people can fit in there they're all singing that song and it's just a great moment on that album
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and
1: yeah um i mean we all know that music is sometimes the best partner of it in a dialogue mm-hmm. um you can have because it doesn't talk back but it <laughs> it still it still understands everything you say uh and this album has every song can be for a certain type of emotion or moment when i need someone to talk talk to mm-hmm. um quote unquote talk to um I will find that answer there to some point. I I love that album. And I mean, the songwriting, (laughs) to to go back to to musicianship, the songwriting of Biffy Clyro has always been great. Yeah. And the guitar playing is sometimes very weird Mm. um, because uh, Simon Neal um, played the violin when he was young. Uh, So he always used all of his uh, four fretting fingers. Mm. Um, which you don't necessarily do in rock music. Yeah, but he always does it with or well, almost every chord, every line he plays. It's some sort of intricate thing which makes it very interesting, even though mm. it kind of sounds sounds just like a the norm, normal, quote unquote, rock song. Yeah, so pay attention to it. <laughs> awesome. Um Going from that, I mean, appetite for destruction. Uh, it's. That album of Guns N' Roses is where I'm like, that's them. That's their I don't give a fuck about anyone else attitude. Mm. And it's us against the world attitude. And to put it briefly, that is an attitude that us against the world attitude is something that I always like to have with my man. That it's us against the world and we can do everything if we just want to. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Guns N' Roses were a bit more reckless in their days. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, just, just a bit. Um, Consumption-wise, and um, yeah, <laughs> um, also setting setting interview sets on fire and everything. That's mm. something we will never do. Um, really? Yes. I, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Um, to me, it's the the album version of that glorified era of rock and roll mm. that's appetite for destruction for me yeah and I love it <laughs> Semper Eternal and Daybreaker yeah um Semper Eternal I mean we already talked a lot about it. it's it's for me this album is a milestone in heavy music I I think you can't argue with that anyone can argue with that because from that album it's like it's, it's kind of the second killswitch engage um invented metalcore bring mm-hmm. you horizon took a different turn on the whole metalcore genre with sempiternal mhm not just shouting and growling but having that mix of singing and screaming in there mm-hmm. the songwriting is top notch um the production <laughs> to get nerdy here the snare sound of that album yeah is it's the best snare sound I have heard next to what is it, hot dog flavored water, Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit, yeah. It? Yeah. Chocolate Starfish and Yeah. Hot Hockey dog flavored, flavored water. Boy, yeah. Um, <laughs> those two albums have to me, and everyone can and then everyone can argue with that. Um those two albums have the best snare sound to mm. me. I heard um, the leaked version of "Semper Eternum." <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it, that's an it, it leaked on, yeah. on YouTube mm. um, everywhere. Mm. Um, I heard that uh, in the shower the first time. Um, <laughs> sleepwalking. Oh yes. Um, Tune. And it's it's one of those moments where you when you realize you have found what you haven't been looking for, but it's the perfect thing. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's it. <laughs> That's it. You get me. Yeah. And yeah, it was we go on from there. It's just something that is very close to my heart and where I'll always be a complete fanboy about.
0: Couldn't agree more. It's one of my yeah. favorite albums of all time. It's still my favorite Bring Me album, if I'm honest. Um, it's just for me, it's one of those albums where every yeah, exactly. single song I can listen to it start to finish and never press skip. Everything it's just perfectly
1: constructed even the deluxe version especially the deluxe version okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm saying even because sometimes the deluxe version just um is something to bump up the sales again yeah yeah um and there are some not really b-sides on it but Mm -hmm. some songs that didn't make it to the normal version but It's really... The the, the name is the game here. It's really a deluxe version. It is. Yeah, you're right. We want to sell more version. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. And um, Daybreaker. Um, Mm. I didn't like Architects for for a long time because they were too... (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, too math core for me. They were just loud and I could... I mean, it's up to me that I wasn't able to follow their music because it was just too intricate for me on Hollow Crown and everything. I Mm -hmm. didn't really get it back then. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But Daybreaker, um, when I moved to Hamburg in 2013, um, I was new in Hamburg. I didn't really have any friends here. I just had the people that I met at university. And one of them showed me Daybreaker. (laughs) And I remember a night where we sat on, where we sat at the Alster River here in Hamburg, okay, drinking red wine, and we're <laughs> listening, we're listening to this album on our phone, like loud speaker on the phone, so very trashy. That sounds um, like a good time to me. <laughs> it was a very good time, and I haven't stopped listening to that album since because it, mm. it, yeah, it's like a screenshot of a time, yeah. if you will. Mm -hmm. and I I will always remember moving to Hamburg and hearing this for the first time and again finding some sort of comfort because I I think I kind of felt like I I'm also understood here in a new city where I don't know what to do where I don't know anyone but um, this album can give me comfort and anything will be good that is very very theatrical and um, (laughs) to say that but that for me is what it was and what it still is so yeah um, that's why that album is on that list yeah um i love it i love that and also the the line um right before the breakdown and these colors don't run uh where he basically spits out you fucking pigs and i was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> you get me, you, you get me <laughs>
0: I love that. I'm like that yeah. with um I'm like that with like Antivist. Um
2: yeah, you know, just
0: that yeah. that line right before the breakdown. It's oh my god, I've shouted yeah. that so many times in my car. Probably people <laughs> driving past are like, what the <laughs> Yeah, um, it's
1: just it's just very, very, very bland, these lines, but also while being that, they're very straight to the point. Yeah,
0: they need to be shouted.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: I Love that. What an eclectic mix as well. I mean, for all that, you know, there is, there's a heavy look of like, you know, I'm just looking at the list now, like we've got metal influence, we've got rock influence there as well. I guess some little bits of pop influence with Biffy Clyro as well, but predominantly it's like, it's it's rock, but a really nice mixture. Um, And it really does kind of give an idea and into the type of music that you listen to that you appreciate and enjoy. Whereas I'm sure there is hundreds of other albums I could have made this list. But um, what a really good mixture. I think if you and I hung out when we were younger, say I lived in Hamburg when I was your age, I think we probably would have gotten on very well because this speaks to me as well, this list. So I remember when when you first sent it and I looked and I was like, oh my God, like seriously? This is literally some of these (laughs) bangers, right? Um, But yeah, yeah, I love that pie. What a great eclectic mix. Yeah, I love it.
1: Yeah, and I love the fact that you didn't say your top five because it's hard to, to pick favorites. Impossible. Among, among an abundance of great albums out there. Exactly. So, so it's just one of your five. Of five albums. of your, fa- so from your favorites. Yeah. 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 So it's the it only could way have to been do pop it. albums in there as well, but yeah. But, yeah. I, I-
0: pick those exactly i mean god i mean if i asked you to pick your top albums rather than five it probably would have been 500 you know what i mean it's like where does it end but yeah like i think they're great such a great mixture and it'll be interesting you know if i asked you to pick another five they'd probably be completely different again you know what i mean that's the beauty of it
1: i can't speak anymore when you would have had moved to hamburg when you were younger um, mm. I think we're still getting along now when we aren't that young anymore. So.
0: Absolutely, Pi. Yeah, best. I love
1: it that it's more of a chat than uh, an interview. It was never meant to be an interview, but
0: mm-hmm. then an interview. This yeah. is the whole point of the podcast, Pi. To be honest, like that's one of the things I really want to highlight with the podcast is that I don't want it to ever feel like yes, I know I ask you things, but it's because I'm getting to know you. It's not because I'm interviewing you, and hey. I like don't A lot of people say that when they come back to me, like, oh, so who are you interviewing this week? And I'm always like, who am I chatting to this week is probably the way I prefer to say.
1: Exactly. And also that you're talking about yourself in some parts is very important to me because I don't like having everything being about me. And as you said, it's a a chat so Mm. and a dialogue. So why wouldn't you? Say, tell anything of your experiences it's very important to me
0: exactly you know i just like to relate you know myself to things that i can see in you you know that i can yeah. see in your work and i think that's the beauty of getting to know one another right is that you share experiences like that so yeah honestly that's why i love doing this and again thank you for doing it um, yeah. Yeah. i think this is really fascinating and i mean i want to first of all Thank you for having the kind of courage to upload it because it's something that a lot of people might have shied away from talking about and you might be able to think what I'm on about. So
1: no, actually, no. <laughs>
0: what could that be? So, um, on your, on your Instagram, uh, I think it was a couple of months ago now. So you uploaded a video and it was you talking about, you had an instant at the gym. So in this video, oh, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. So you went onto one of those fitness machines where you get like all of your statistics printed off and then you had it given to you and everything was very much in the green so you know kind of very much like everything's i think average as you put it but everything's fine then you had a member who i guess worked there who tried to kind of almost say to you look these are good but they could be a lot better and almost kind of like downplayed like your statistics um i just wanted to know like can i can i talk to you about that is that okay to talk about
1: yeah totally
0: okay i think so for me When I watched the video, and I mean, you kind of, you talk about it beautifully, you know, in terms of why that that situation was not okay, there's two things that stood out for me. And obviously, please let me know if I'm reading into this correctly, but I think the number one thing for me, and this is a gripe of mine when I see it, when I hear about it, is that it was her intent. So in doing that, you know, she's trying to basically monetize on bettering people. So her intent realistically goes from, you know, I can help you. And I guess that's underlined with the subtext of I can make money out of you. So therefore her priorities in that are questionable, right? Now I get, don't get me wrong. I get that people have businesses to run. People are self-employed. People market themselves. I completely understand that. But there is a way that you do that. And the thing that really stood out for me is the way that, you know, she approached you and she was, you know imparting on you she was telling you that you could be better she doesn't know you she doesn't know the journey that you've been on with your fitness she doesn't know where you've come from she doesn't know how important that might have been in that moment for you to stand on that machine and to get those statistics those statistics could have been the best you've ever had in your life and for somebody to come along and tell you that they're not they're good but could be a lot better has no idea on the damage and the detriment that 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 could do to somebody. So that's what I took from that. And I just wanted to hear kind of you talk a little bit about that. And Obviously, if you don't mind.
1: Sure. I I don't mind at all. Let's start at the very beginning. It was... uh, So that person is working at the gym. So it's her full-time job either way there. Okay. I mean, I'm already a member. Yeah. So she isn't really able to sell me anything more but um still um i went there obviously just out of curiosity and was for free it was a gift from the gym actually um (laughs) nice gift thank you um and i just did it because i've never done done something like that before Mm. um i was just curious yeah for me i mean i i feel fit I I know I also know that I'm not the fittest by any means I'm not an athlete but and that's a very important point I don't want and I don't need to be I just want to feel good and I enjoy working out yeah and yeah so she was very lucky in that sense that I went there and wasn't like emotionally very very um, unstable in in the sense of my body and that I maybe dropped just dropped 50 pounds and was the most exhausting thing to do and I finally turned my life around and that sort of thing that wasn't the case with me but I was (laughs) uh, earlier in my life I was at that point I was kind of chubby when I was young Mm -hmm. and when when I was like 11, 12, I wasn't just chubby anymore. And this is not to say that that is bad in any sense and that you're not good enough of a person when that happens because it's anything but that. Yeah. But I remember feeling how people would see me um, not picking me in sports um, or the last one. Making mm. fun of me in the in the dressing room mm. and everything, or parents of anyone telling me to eat less. Um, I remember that she was lucky in that sense that that was that I ov- have overcome that and am to- almost totally fine with with my body image, um, and I'm secure enough to be like, yeah, whatever. Thanks for your advice, I guess. Um, But, and that is where where I was not okay with it. As you said, she didn't ask anything about me. She didn't know about my, or if there is a weight loss journey, she didn't know if if I struggle with body image, if I'm emotionally stable. She didn't ask anything about my goals. Um, she didn't ask anything about my nutrition <laughs> um so basically the basics she did and it was just like, yeah, let's get this over with mm. what she did um but then her being um the the teaching person with when when the results came and was she was i don't know it was just not okay with me that she was like. Um, the first thing that she said was, "Yeah, do you want to have your results?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." What do you think? I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess, it's pretty okay." Mm. She was like, "Yeah, okay. I don't want you to have having to wait too long, so I'm just gonna tell you, the results are okay, but um, we need to change something." And when I think of Needing to change something, this change is inevitable. You have to do it; otherwise, you can't continue. Mm. That's not the case with this one. It was all pretty much average. Was weight is normal. Mm. I I don't know. I'm I'm a healthy person. Yeah. But she was like, "Yeah, no, can't do, You you we have to change your nutrition. You have to eat more vegetables." I just said, "I'm vegan." <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's not to say that vegans only eat vegetables which no. is very much not the case you can also eat just Oreo cookies and everything and be the unhealthiest thing in the world as well that can also be the case but I eat a lot of vegetables <laughs>
2: mm, yeah
1: um, and she's like oh mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. yeah but still when how do you work out and I told her how it worked out and everything Still wasn't enough for her. She was like she basically just ignored that and then mm. told told me again what to do about mm. my bad results and at the end she said yeah okay but they're not that bad. She had way worse that she had to measure and um I was like okay you're you're scaling the worth of a person um on those based on those results. Mhm and i got out of the room and my girlfriend did the same result uh, test and she had brilliant results brilliant <laughs> according brilliant according to the gym yeah um because she's she is very fit uh, very very fit and i talked to her about that and what if a person would have been there that maybe had just lost 20 pounds and it's just still body image can be can be horrible sometimes and what you make of it and what people tell you what is wrong and what is right. And if you're insecure enough to believe what others say and if you don't feel comfortable with your body and then one of those people comes along and tell you that you're shit, basically. Uh, I don't know. She might have killed me if I would have had suicidal thoughts already which would be obviously the worst case, but that could have happened as well. Yeah. Um, and she, she completely wasn't aware of any of her actions or her words. And that is, that is, that is the worst thing. Mm-hmm. She wants to sell me something. Okay. Yeah, sure. As you said, people have their businesses. Um, but being unaware of the fact um, that she, first of all, has to ask a person what they're about. Yeah. Um, That's the most unprofessional thing that I've ever seen. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was my experience with the gym. And I, I, I still say hello to her. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things where, you know, people go to the gym because they want to better themselves, right? So, you know, I mean, I, I go to the gym, you know, I want to better myself and, you know, you, you, you obviously work out as well, Pi, right. So you go there to to Mm -hmm. make yourself, you make yourself feel better to get yourself in the shape that you want to be in. You know, you do that to progress in the way
1: that. And also in the headspace.
0: Yeah, exactly. Massively. Like there's so much importance on that. And I always talk about that as well. Like, you know, you put your music in and just, it does so much for your mental health as well as your physical health. And yet for somebody to come along like that and to say that in a place where you're supposed to be bettering yourself, for someone telling you that you're realistically not doing enough is so detrimental and so damaging in so many ways. And as you said, if you did have, you know, suicidal thoughts to really go to like that depth could have been the results of that could have been absolutely horrendous. So, yeah, but I just, just the way you spoke about it in that video and obviously the way you've kind of, you know, spoke about it now, I just, I think it's just, it's really important to talk about in in terms of self-worth, in terms of people misreading situations, in terms of imparting onto you and not really asking about you. You know, we see it time and time again, but I just think you handled it and you spoke about it really well.
1: Thank you. That, that means a lot because as I said, I, I know what it feels like to not, be okay with yourself mm. with your body and then defining your worth over your weight and everything yeah. that just didn't sit right with me what she did there and I know that there are a lot of people out there yeah who who feel the same or who felt the same as I did when I was young mm. so uh, I couldn't let that be uncommented so yeah yeah
0: Good for you, Pi. I think um, anyone who regularly listens to the podcast will know that I shared a story about my weight journey. So that's why I kind of wanted to ask you about it because I think it's so important. And I see a lot of and share a lot of kind of my yeah. own journey within that story. So that's kind of why I want to pick up because I think it's really important and it's really integral. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. All right, Pi. finally, what does the future hold for Pai Stoffers?
1: Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> um... I'm happy to say that, but when 2022 comes around, a lot of touring. Yeah. 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 Fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. But I I I feel like gaining confidence from those two UK shows we did. That we're out of the worst. And mm-hmm. that there's light at the end of the tunnel for every everyone out there, not only for musicians, but for everyone out there. Yeah. Um who, had a lot had a part of their life taken away from them Mm -hmm. Um, so that and um which is for me the biggest thing and i can't really think of anything else right now (laughs) um there's a lot of a lot of um songwriting to do still and a lot of production because some people might already have seen it on socials we teased it a little bit but Mm -hmm. we won't say anything else but it's no secret anymore that we are we have started to write again. Nice. So yeah. And that is planned out. So our 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 band stuff is planned out to I think to the year 2025. Oh wow. So, nice. <laughs> like um loosely but still there are some key points obviously that need to happen. So the future looks good. Nice, you know, I like I'm that. Looking forward to that.
0: It's exciting, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it that's
0: is. that's phenomenal. All right, Pai. So share me with me your socials. Where can everybody find you? You know, have you got Instagram, Twitter, just share it all out there?
1: Yeah. Okay, I've I've never actually shared my socials, but only the band sources. So yeah, my band that I'm playing in is Lord of the Lost. You can just Google it, you will find Facebook or our Instagram <laughs> handle is at official lord of the lost. And you will find myself at PyStoffers, which is F E R S on Instagram and the same on Facebook. And I don't have Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely um, fine. But that's where you find me. And thanks for listening. And yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lovely chat.
0: No, of course, Pi. Yeah, Thank you so it? much. I really, really appreciate it. And I love that we've sat down and had this conversation. So I want honestly, I understand you're a busy guy. You're busy until 2025. But mm-hmm. I appreciate you taking the time to chat to me, honestly. Thank you. So you can find the podcast, obviously, wherever you download podcasts from. We are on everywhere so just apple podcast spotify put it into your podcast you will find us uh, we're also on youtube where you'll see the video version of this podcast as well uh, if you want to follow me i am at strong 87 that is on instagram that's on twitter if you just type it in you will see my face so again Pi, i want to say a big thank you honestly for taking the time out of your really busy schedule to sit and chat to me today i've really enjoyed this and it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you
1: yeah same same i can honestly say same and we'll see each other in december then
0: Uh, we absolutely (laughs) will (laughs) let's talk about that but Uh, but until then thank you for listening everybody and take care
1: bye